What a great way to wake up. With a cup of logic, reason, and common sense. Welcome to the Independence Morning View. Let's get to it. Good morning to you wherever you are in the world. I'm Johnny Anderson. I'm joined this morning by Bruce Adams. Good morning, Bruce. How are you this morning? Healthy and alive. Doing well. Fantastic. I'm doing all right. Uh, we're going to be talking about some medical stuff later on today. We got uh, we got Marty coming up this afternoon, and we're going to be talking about some controversial characters in the UK. We're going to be talking about Katie Hopkins. We're going to be talking about Tommy Robinson and Nigel Farage. Now, I know you probably don't know who some of those people are, Bruce. Maybe the listener doesn't either, but they're very controversial characters. A couple of those people are banned uh, in the UK as far as like being online, social media, that kind of stuff. But uh, Nigel Farage, he was key in help. Uh, helping to get Trump uh, elected to a certain degree. He was more or less a, shall we say, an aide behind the scenes. We'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you also had the the guys of uh, the likes of which of he's from the UK, but he's he does US journalist work now, uh, Raheem Kassam, which he's been banned from Twitter as well. He's uh, he's a host on America's Voice Network. So he's nice and buddy buddy with uh, with old Nigel. We'll be talking about that later on today. We're going to be talking about the NHS system and a little bit about the uh, comparison to possibly the US system. But we're going to be talking about that today. But this morning, where should we start? Should we start with uh, Michael Cohen? You remember the the guy? You remember the Trump lawyer, the mm-hmm. guy they threw in jail for the uh, the taxi cab medallions? You remember him? Right. Yeah. 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 Well, they threw him in jail, right? Because he went, he broke his uh, his release. They let him out because of Corona, right? So they sent him back to jail because he was caught at a Midtown Manhattan restaurant having dinner. So they sent him back. The news media made it look like it was because of a book that he was trying to release about Trump. So it made it look like Trump was having him thrown back in jail, right? So a judge mm-hmm. has come out and said that his um, his return to prison was retaliatory, and he's now ordered his release. Uh, no, it wasn't retaliation. The guy broke his, his early release. He was not mm-hmm. supposed to leave his residence. He was on house arrest. He went to yep. a restaurant and had steak dinner. He's not supposed to do that. But the thing is, though, is that, that the charge that he went to prison for is ab- absolutely assert- absurd. How True. how do yeah. we have something like that? The, the the freaking taxi medallions, which cost what was it was like one hundred twenty thousand dollars per medallion or something crazy like that. Yeah, it was something stupid. It, it's yeah. stupid. It, it's it's like extortion on on these people. So no, the the whole idea behind that is completely absurd in the U.S. Like, how is that a thing? But anyway. Anyway. Well, yeah, they're going to uh, I mean, the guy there's a revolving door for him. He goes mm-hmm. to prison on BS. In my in my humble opinion, he goes to prison on BS and then he gets released because of covid and then he gets thrown back in because he was spotted in a midtown Manhattan restaurant having dinner and then he gets released again all within a few months. But yeah, he's coming back out. All right. What do you have this morning? Oh, well, which one? Uh, uh, we could I'll, I'll, I'll do the the more pressing one, I guess. You've got Hurricane Douglas. You know, we, we talked about it yesterday. That's the one that's was that the, um, looking was to that the Hawaii one. Hawaii. Yeah, that, okay. that is the winds yesterday when we were talking about it. We're only 80 mile per hour and, you know, gusts in that range and the actual winds itself were in the 70s range. Well, currently they're saying that the maximum sustained winds is 100 miles per hour. So that's that's kind of increased a little bit. They're 
it's speculating that the Hurricane Douglas is going to be a major hurricane by Thursday, which is today, and it will continue to strengthen over the next 24 hours. And they're saying Friday it'll it, it'll probably weaken. Um, What's so the category now? Saying it'll probably weaken. Uh, right now, I think I think at 100 miles per hour, I think is a category two. I think. Okay. Um, they did not specifically say in the article. Unfortunately, I would have to look to see. No, category three. Uh, okay. So for Hawaii, yes. that's uh, that's that's pretty strong. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's not... a pretty big deal. Yeah. Okay. Well, we had GP on talking about it yesterday, and he said that uh, you know those people just can't catch a break down there. The one, especially the where uh, where Hilo is, they just can't catch a break. It's one mm-hmm. disaster after mm-hmm. another. Yeah, and you know, it's, as we said yesterday, it's in the middle of the pandemic. You know, so they have all the things they're trying to do there: medical supplies, hospitals, that kind of thing, being tied up with the. COVID or at least the, the fear of COVID. And yeah, so they're already hurting from the um, lack of tourism because of COVID, you know, businesses uh, and, and regulation and whatnot for COVID. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's too bad. Praying for the people of Hawaii, man. you know, mm-hmm. so that's I, I hope they uh, I hope that thing dies down and I hope that uh, I hope that doesn't devastate them too bad down there. All right. The Washington Redskins. Yeah. You know, well, excuse me, I shouldn't uh-huh. say that because they're not the Washington Redskins anymore. That name's gone. It was it was too controversial. It was too controversial, right? After all this time, it's it's just it's it's too controversial. It's been too controversial for excuse me. It's been controversial for decades, hasn't it? Mm. I guess so, decades is plural. Yeah, it was back in the nineties <laughs> when they first tried to change it. So I guess yeah. technically, yes, you're right. Washington's NFL team name change, right? Will go by are you ready for it? They've they've released a new name. They're naming the team now, but they're not going to keep this name. They don't know how long it's going to take, but they're going to change the name to an official one at some point. This is just the one to kind of give them the interim. Placeholder. You know, yeah, it's just, a, just a placeholder. So and this is a really creative name. I have to give them credit. They've done a really good job with this. I don't know who in the world they put on this to come up with this, but it's just, it's fantastic. It's catchy. And I could see this selling a lot of merchandise, uh, to be fair. Mm, mm. They're going to call it the Washington football team. Ooh, but but Washington was a slave owner, so how can they do that? Well, um, I, I'm not sure. Mm. I'm not sure. But see, it's just an interim name, right? It's just the placeholder, like you said. So it's no, just it's, a placeholder. OK. Yeah. Until okay. they can figure out how to get rid of Washington. So you have to get rid of Washington uh-huh. first. Then you can get right, rid of the. Right. Yeah. So uh, that, that okay. has to go because, okay. you know, Washington's actually going to be part of the new name. Right. Wait, but but Washington was a slaveholder. So, you, you well, can't. yes, but see, yes, but see, they haven't figured out how to to do that yet. See, they have to get rid of that. But all the city names, I would imagine, will at some point be removed because somehow or another they will be associated with, I don't know, some type of oppressiveness or something. I'm not sure. But they (laughs) will be, you know, you know, that's where they're going to go with it. And so they're going to change all this stuff again until they can figure out how to actually name something as in the Bobcats or uh, the the Panthers or just whatever. They're going to cut whatever that is. They're going to cut like the city name or whatever, like the New York Yankees. Oh, that's got to go. That, that's got to go. You can't, you can't have that. No, that's got to go. Well, the Cleveland Indians, right? That's got to go. The Atlanta Braves, all that's going to go away. You think you're going to keep those names? Uh-uh, not going to happen. So this Chiefs. is just the starting point. What's that? I said the Chiefs. I was 
betting. Oh, the here. Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It's what, what did they Canada. say they were they were gonna what the Babylon B say that we're gonna change that to the enlightened indigenous uh, <laughs> uh tribal elders. Indigenous. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. The team is expected to announce. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's not clear how long the team uh, will play under the interim name. Yes, yeah, it's gonna take them a while. A person familiar with the conversation between the NFL and the team said last week that the name change would need to come before the start of the training camp on July 28th. So they they are going to go back. They, they are going to go back. But if it's going to be the MLB style stuff that we talked about yesterday, good luck to you. The revealing of the temporary name comes near the end of a tumultuous month, a tumultuous mm. month in which yeah, owner okay. Daniel Snyder, who said he was never going to change it, by the way, was forced to move away from the organization's 87-year-old name, Redskins, under intense pressure from club sponsors. Tell the sponsors to go to hell. Sorry. Including stadium mm. naming rights holder FedEx, which demanded Snyder drop a name many consider to be offensive and a slur towards Native Americans. I haven't heard a single Native American activist group or an individual for that matter, come out and say that they're offended by that. Because you know, you know, with the climate the way that it is, they would be on television somewhere. They would be given FaceTime. You know they would. I'm so tired of these snowflake white, might I add, individuals telling us what we should be offended by. They are a bunch of white idiots. (laughs) They're a bunch of weird white people. That's what they are. It's it's so stupid that they... Yeah. Anyway, they're lunatics. They're lunatics. They're, they're, they're absolute lunatics. This is what I was talking about with the spiritual vacuum. You know, uh, <laughs> that's what I was. Ta- they have uh, no structure. None. They have no structure. They have no sense of purpose. So they have to go out and destroy everything because they're just. Do they do they think these groups like the Native Americans, the 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 minority groups in general, do they think they are so stupid that they can't determine whether or not they're offended at something on their own? Well, they have to have told. a white person. To tell them that they're offended. That's what they've been told. That's what they've been taught. They've been taught that they are the enlightened ones. They have to teach the world the way. That's what they've been taught. That's how crazy they are. All right. Speaking of getting away from reality, you have something on an underwater habitat? Yeah. So scientists are looking to more or less do a... uh uh, a large underwater, kind of like a research facility, I believe. They're they're wanting to build a lab under underwater, similar to you know the International Space Station, except it'll be here on the Earth under the ocean, and you know it'll allow them to do uh, the various research that you could do under underwater uh, microorganisms. Um, I, I would assume higher pressure tests and whatnot, lack of sunlight and those sort of things. You could do some some interesting tests down there. So I'd be curious to see what uh, what they can do. And then you also have the engineering feat of of designing something that is able to withstand the uh, uh, the depth, um, which I have to look to see what they're. I think they're only looking to do sixty feet underwater. Actually. Sixty feet, yeah. So it's not it's not hugely deep, but at the same time, that's sixty feet of water on top of the structure at all times. So I mean, and any kind of tidal forces and everything too. So you know, eh, that's that's a that's a pretty big deal. Okay, so it looks like they're not actually going to stay down there. It says that this is like a day at the office. They're actually just going to get in a sub and go down. It says it'll allow researchers to put in a true eight to 10 hour day, 60 feet below the surface. Or are they going to live there? So it it looks like they're going to live there, but they'll be able to like send out drones from that location to do research. I got you. Okay. Don't we already have have these kind of laboratories? We do, don't we? I mean, this is not something new. Right. Yeah, this isn't new. They they do have at least one, I believe, um, uh, the Aquarius Lab. 
I'm wanting to say. Uh, and it's been down there for a little while. I'm not really sure the, the duration on that one. I'll have to look real quick. See, that one's 19 meters underwater. It's in Florida. Six-person crew. I'm seeing when it was installed. 86, I believe. 1986. So it's been interesting. there a little while. Yeah, interesting. Uh, this one's going to be a two-story structure, though. Uh, it looks like yeah. and it looks like they're going to have um, it's going to be all pressurized and everything. Obviously, it says it's going to be at half atmosphere of pressure, which is enough to create a significant physiological impact on the people living inside. But being underwater like this, being away from other people, uh, uh, apart from the people you're around, being in that environment, not having access to sunlight, that's going to put you vitamin D deficient. So that's that's going to I don't know. You can't spend too much time down there. Um so 60 feet below the surface, I don't think that's deep enough to completely cut you off. I mean, because there, there are observation areas, it looks like, on the, on the facility. So you would still be able to get sunlight. And I'm sure they're going to use utilize um, natural sunlight. But yeah, it, it's definitely going to be um, not as intense sunlight, shall we say. It's going to be uh, a bit lighter. So yeah, it could run into an issue of, of that. If it's going to be like ISS, though, they're only going to be there for a few months at a time. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not like you're a world away. You know, you can hop in a, right. in a submersible and you're back on the surface in, in no time. Well, there is also the the uh, if the facilities under if, if it's only half atmosphere, which is interesting. I don't uh, know if they're doing that half at. Yeah, you'll have uh, you'll have to pressurize and depressurize. So you'll have a 30 minute to an hour wait just to get in and out of the facility. But I don't know if they're doing that specifically because of the the depth that it's at. You know, uh, the the pressure uh, makes it to where it's as if it was, uh, you know, one atmosphere or if they're doing this for research purposes or uh, what have you. So it'll be it'll be interesting to it'll be interesting to see. It says here, as of right now, it is in the concept stage. Once funding is in hand, the team isn't making the amount they've raised public so far. But um, once it's once the funding is in hand, uh, they plan to bring an engineering team in so that the project can be fully realized. Good on you. Whatever research you're going to do. This is going to be a two story structure. They're saying you can't do anything higher than uh, two stories because once you go to three stories, it puts that 10 feet extra living space would put that part of the building in a different pressure zone. Interesting. So that would explain the half pressure then because you got two stories, right? Right. Well, and the depth and everything as well. So if you added another story to that, you would have to like the pressure difference there would mean half an atmosphere of pressure difference. So that that's kind of what they're saying there with the, so, the pressurization. Issue. OK, so so this kind of shoots the idea since we're on this, since you went this way with it, this kind of shoots the idea in the foot of these ideas of underwater cities, right? You, you couldn't do it. If, it's, if that's how you look at it, you, you couldn't do that. I mean, you could still do it. You would just span it over a larger area potentially. But I, I, honestly, I don't even know why you would want to do an underwater one to begin with, just because any kind of, you know, tectonic plate activity or something, if there was damage to the facility, yeah, it's going to be kind of difficult for you to get to safety. So, I mean, in a research sense, I think this would work. But as far as a living sense, I don't really, with as much tectonic activity we have on Earth, I don't 
think it would be really wise necessarily. On to space. Well, we're officially in the realm of Star Wars, aren't we? We're here. Yeah. Russia has secretly tested an anti-satellite weapon in space, the U.S. Space Command says. So what have they actually done? Russia has enraged the West by test firing a weapon designed to knock out other satellites and threaten the peaceful use of space. Kremlin's military push to use weapons in uh, in space puts the U.S. and allied space assets at serious risk. We knew this was coming, right? We, we knew this was coming. The wars of the future are space-based. This is why we've created a space force. We're behind on that. This is where things are going to go. Yeah, no, this is this is exactly it. And I'm I'm really I'm not surprised. I, honestly, I expected either Russia or China to be the ones that were creating weapons to uh, turn this into a uh, not so peaceful endeavor uh, with space travel. So. I mean, they're, they're kind of the usual culprits. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. All right. So researchers say that they have evidence that Russia conducted a non-destructive test of a space-based anti-satellite weapon. If they knock our satellites out, what does that mean for us? Honestly, we've had... Uh, <laughs> We've had technology that's been able to knock out satellites for a long time. Uh, but the fact that I, I don't know if they're using this technology to, you know, kinetic impact or there's some kind of explosive, which I don't know if people know this. When when you go to space and you have no atmosphere and you, you cause an explosion, the, the explosion actually travels a further distance, um, especially ex, uh, like nuclear weapons, for example. They do a much larger uh, explosion in space than here on Earth. So you could use a much smaller payload to, to hit satellites. If they start hitting satellites and whatnot, that, that's our communication, GPS. Honestly, the, the GPS would be much easier to hit because they're geosynchronous. So they're, they're going to be a, a fairly easy target. The other ones that are going to be more difficult are, are um, the things like Elon Musk, what he's doing, because those are more or less like the size of a toaster or something. I mean, they're much smaller. Is that all um, they are? I yeah I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure they're they're pretty tiny. They 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 honestly they they could be bigger than that because they only launch like fourteen at a time. So maybe they are bigger than that. But my understanding was is they're they're pretty small. Once you get once the the solar panels and everything extend, obviously it's going to be bigger. But uh, the actual satellite, I'm pretty sure, is only the size of a toaster. Which if that's the case, it you know it makes it a a much difficult much more difficult target. But because there's going to be so many of them, you could knock out a whole swath of area. Uh, with one missile. So no surprise if they they obviously don't want to use something like nuclear, for example, because uh, then you you cause a radioactive uh, cloud, basically, that stays there permanently. And uh, it's uh, we, we actually have a radioactive cloud around Earth that's man-made now. And I forget what the I, fear, I forget what the cloud is called. Uh, it's called but, climate uh, change. You, Right. Sorry. sorry. Um, I just... <laughs> I'm, I'm wanting to say it was called actually caused by a nuclear test, but that is actually something we have to um, avoid when we send uh, astronauts in space or satellites because, you know, the radiation can damage electronics or, or you know, killer astronauts or, you know, so. Yeah. You, you don't want to use those kind of weapons in space. So I, I, I don't know what their intent is here other than world dominance as their usual stated goal. Or hidden goal. General John J. Raymond, commander of the U.S. Space Force, chief of space operations, said the Russian satellite system used to conduct this on-orbit weapons test is the same satellite system that we raised concerns about earlier this year when Russia maneuvered near a U.S. government satellite. 
This is further evidence of Russia's continuing efforts to develop and test space-based systems and is consistent with the Kremlin's published military doctrine to employ weapons that hold the U.S. and allied space assets at risk. So, yeah, and the U.K. has come out, uh, their head of their space uh, directorate has said nearly the same thing. He says that actions of this kind threaten the peaceful use of space and risk causing debris. Well, of course, we have to throw that in there, don't we? Well, don't worry about going completely dark or anything. But No, that, that's actually a very real problem in space. If there's debris flying around there and you're moving at, you know, 20,000 miles per hour, a little pebble turns into a very large rock okay. that's, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, rips through. So you can you can have a small pebble go through um, like ISS, for example, and that could cause depressurization and it would be explosive, basically. So a you know, small rupture can be very dangerous. Yeah. You know, OK, that's that's a fair point, because when we were watching the footage of uh, the crew dragon, Right. When we were when we were watching that uh, Elon Musk's capsule that that sent um, the SpaceX capsule that sent uh, uh, the two astronauts up to the space station, when they got up into orbit, we're watching them like we can see the capsule moving and they're like, yeah, they're moving at 17000 miles an hour. And I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. They're inching along there like a snail, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And it's it's like, okay, it. yeah. Yeah, all right. So I see your point. I see your point. You really don't take that into consideration because we're looking at it like, oh, is that all the faster they're going? My God, it's going to take them a year to get there. And they're like, yeah, they're moving at 17,000 miles an hour. That, that's pretty damn fast. Yeah. When you, okay, so this is the other concern. We've seen it in science fiction. Setting up a satellite or something that just fires a tungsten rod from the satellite, right? Using electricity. Yes. If yes. you fire a rod moving at 25,000 miles per hour, that little rod turns into a very large kinetic weapon. You you can use, we're testing this on the ground. The Navy actually has tests for like rail guns. And they're capable of doing the same kinetic energy that our weapons currently can do at 20 miles. They can do the same thing at 200 miles with no explosives. It's sheer kinetic force uh, involved in those things. Now, that's only at about a mile and a half a second, roughly. If you make it, if you make it four miles a second or something even crazy fast like that, and you, you have something impacting, <laughs> you right? Thing I mean, yeah, and and you impact something with that. I mean, you have a, a small like a, a meteorite can actually cause like a small nuclear explosion. Like that's what we're talking about here. And it's not an actual nuclear explosion. It's just the amount of energy that's being released is on par with that. So this is something that could be, with little effort, could be very dangerous for America or any other country in the world. You know, I've heard that there's now this is a this is an actual uh, program that's on the that's on the drawing board for the uh, the space force, and that is you're creating orbital platforms that have the capability to launch space based weapons like what you're talking about. Now imagine yeah. imagine if you you will, a launch platform in orbit that can launch a tungsten rod the size of a telephone pole at a ground-based target. Oof. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that's that's yeah. the kind of stuff they're working on right now. If you think, oh, that sounds like science fiction. Well, it is. Yeah. But the amount of devastation that we're talking about here, when you do something like that, think, if you will, the uh, the crater that's in Arizona, right? Everybody right. knows the big crater that's out there. Okay. You, you'd see the size of that thing. Okay. That was a meteorite that hit that was the size of a school bus. All right. That's yeah. all the bigger that thing was. So if you can imagine 
a tungsten rod the size of a telephone pole coming down at a target, you could you could knock out half a city or more. Yeah, you could you could do a lot of damage. And the other thing that's not really talked about, tungsten rods when you when you cause friction, they typically heat up and turn to a molten state. Yes. A part of the reason that nuclear weapons are so devastating is because the amount of heat it generates. You know, where's the limit? How much energy is that going to produce? When the tungsten rods, you know, the friction going through, how much heat is that generating? You know, I, I don't know the science behind that one, but using that as an example based on the other weapons that we are familiar with, that in and of itself could be very dangerous. If you were to take a, a uh, pinhead, right, and heat that up to like a million degrees Fahrenheit and expose it to atmosphere, right, just release it from containment, that in and of itself would cause such an explosion that it would take out a city the size of like London, for example, or, or a, you know, a large city, it would be devastating. So, you know, that, that, uh, that's kind of the element that we're working in here uh, when we start talking about these, these space weapons and stuff. The, the amount of force that you can cause with much smaller projectiles is, as you said, could take out, you know, city blocks, uh, half a city, an entire city. I mean, it, it's, it's quite scary. It is. And unfortunately, and I do, I do hate to do this because when we get on these space talks and all this, you know, advancement technology and stuff, ramble. we always tend to ramble and it's like, before we know yeah. it, we're out of time. So we're going to have to jump. So thanks for sitting down this morning, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. For all these topics and more, please check us out later on this afternoon. And I hope everyone has a great morning.